Hi, I'm Corey Litzenberger from CGLTax.ca, and this is Brainstorming Plus Tax. In this episode of Brainstorming Plus Tax, we're going to talk about the upcoming changes to the Canada Pension Plan. Now, when the Canada Pension Plan was launched in the mid-1960s, both the working lives and retirements of Canadians looked a lot different than they do in 2018. Fifty years ago, most Canadians were able to work at a single full-time job, often held that job for most or all of their working lives, and in many cases, benefiting from an employer-sponsored defined benefit pension plan which guaranteed a certain level of income in retirement. None of those circumstances accurately describe the current reality for Canadians, either those who are approaching retirement or the younger generation seeking to find their place in the workforce. Defined benefit pension plans, at least in the private sector, simply aren't part of the workplace reality for most Canadian workers. In some cases, corporate bankruptcies have left those who did have such a pension plan with reduced pension or no pension at all. And while some of those who are nearing retirement may have worked for a single employer their entire working lives, there are many Canadians for whom corporate downsizing or outsourcing has meant the loss of a long-term position. And when that happens, Replacing the lost income has often meant working on contract or in short-term positions, usually for less compensation. All of these factors have affected the ability of Canadians to accumulate private savings for retirement through registered pension plans, or RPPs, and registered retirement savings plans, RRSPs, and as a consequence has increased the degree to which they must rely in retirement on government-sponsored retirement income programs like the Canada Pension Plan. A few years ago, the federal government took a look at the existing structure of the CPP and how well it fit with the current and future needs of retiring Canadians. The result of that review was a decision to make significant changes to the CPP, and the implementation of those changes will begin on January 1st, 2019. Now, there is a reason I propose an alternative to the CPP that is owned and managed by individuals, rather than the government telling you how much you get with nothing going to the next generation. If you'd like to learn about what my proposal was, you can listen to episode 13 of this podcast. But I digress. Although many Canadians will receive CPP retirement benefits, most are unfamiliar with how the CPP system operates. The CPP is a contributory plan in which employees and employers each make contributions through the working life of the employee, starting at age 18. The amount of contributions made is calculated at 4.95% of income, but there is a maximum annual contribution amount. Effectively, the maximum allowable contribution for the year is currently reached at about $55,900 in income, known as the Yearly Maximum Pensionable Earnings, or YMPE. Even where an individual's income exceeds the YMPE, it's not possible to make additional CPP contributions for the year. As currently structured, the CPP retirement benefit replaces up to about 25% of income based on the current YMPE of $55,900. In reality, it's closer to 15% of that maximum amount of $55,900 for most Canadians. Finally, the CPP must, by law, be fully funded, meaning that any benefits paid out of the CPP must come from contributions made and income earned from the investment of those contributions. The changes to be made to the CPP will be implemented over a six-year period from 2019 to 2025. At the end of that implementation period, the maximum CPP benefit available to retired Canadians will have increased by about 50%. 
Currently, the maximum monthly benefit is about $1,134, although the average CPP retirement benefit received is closer to $673. As a result, by 2025, the CPP retirement benefit will replace about 33% of the YMPE, assuming you qualify for the maximum amount, which, as said earlier, most don't. In addition, the YMPE will be increased. In 2019, it will now be 57400 All of these increases must, of course, be funded, and that funding will come through an increase in the amount of CPP contributions required to be made by employees, employers, and the self-employed. Those contribution amount increases will start in January 2019. Again, have a listen to episode 13. Each of the changes I have outlined essentially maintain the current structure of the CPP and simply provide for higher contribution amounts, which should result in greater CPP benefits. The second change, however, which starts in 2024, effectively provides for a separate additional required contribution for Canadians who earn more than YMPE. That separate contribution rate is expected to be 4% for both employees and employers. That will be calculated on a percentage of income between the maximum amount to the upper income limit for the year. Now that upper income limit will be implemented over a two-year period and is expected to reach about $82,700 in 2025. Individuals who are required to make the additional contribution will be entitled to claim that contribution as a deduction from income for tax purposes. The first change which working Canadians will notice will be an increase in the CPP contribution rates as of January 1, 2019. That change will be small at only 15 one-hundredths of a percentage point, but will raise the rate to 5.1%. The estimate provided when the CPP changes were announced indicated that such changes would mean an increase in contributions of about $6 a month in 2019. However, these numbers show that the increase will actually be $12.93 per month for both the employee and the employer, or double what was originally stated. The increase will accelerate in subsequent years, such that the increase is about $43 per month by 2025 from their forecast, but could be much higher in actuality. All working Canadians between the ages of 18 and 65 must contribute to this CPP, and those Canadians, especially younger Canadians, will be the most impacted by the upcoming changes. Canadians who remain in the workforce past the age of 65, even if they are already receiving CPP retirement benefits, have the option of continuing to contribute to the CPP up until the age of 70 and receiving increased benefits as a result. After age 70, no one, even if they remain in the workforce, can contribute to the CPP. Canadians also have a choice of when to begin receiving CPP retirement benefits. Such benefits can begin at the age of 60 or deferred to as late as age 70. With each month that the receipt of benefits is deferred, the amount of monthly benefit increases slightly. The decision of when to begin receiving CPP benefits and when to cease making those contributions is one which involves an assessment of many individual factors, including living costs in retirement, the availability of other sources of income in retirement, one's health and employment circumstances, and the cost of contributing to the CPP relative to the benefits to be received. Starting in 2019, the plan changes to the CPP will be another factor that needs to be included in that calculation. And with that, for CGL Strategic Business and Tax Advisors, I'm Corey Litzenberger. Thanks for listening.